0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 11th of November, 2020. Let freedom ring. Those are the last few words of the first verse of My Country Tis of Thee. And those are words that were hard for me to sing when I was in high school choir. Why were they hard for me to sing? Well, my high school choir teacher, he would make us sing that familiar song, My Country Tis of Thee, to teach us how to control and hold our breath while singing. And the challenge was he wanted us to start singing that verse and to see how far we could make it without taking a breath. And so by the time we got to those last few words, let freedom ring, often I was done. I was gone. I had run out of breath a long time ago. So those words might have been hard for me to sing as a high school student, but those are words that are precious to people in our country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. We take our freedom seriously and we hold it. We cherish it here in this country. We cherish the freedom of religion. That I can do a podcast like this and post it online Um, freely and publicly. We cherish freedom of speech and and all kinds of other freedoms in our nation. But we're also reminded that this whole freedom thing is easier said than done. It's hard for a political system to offer freedom in a perfect and complete sense. We've seen struggles with that from the very beginning of our nation, when despite the, the truths that were Uh, spoken of in the Declaration of Independence, many people in our nation were not free and were enslaved, and we find that these freedoms can be difficult to protect, and I think right now we're starting to see even more infringement, and we're going to see more conflict even with the freedom of religion in the days to come in our country. But the Bible makes clear there is a place that perfect and true freedom can be found. And we're gonna look at that freedom today in John chapter eight, verses 31 through 38. John chapter eight, verses 31 through 38. And Jesus here is responding to some people who are now professing faith in Christ. And he says this in verses 31 and 32. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's saying the truth will lead to freedom. And he goes on to say that really the freedom he's talking about isn't freedom from tyranny or oppression or uh, from evil kings and uh, dictators. No, he says, he's talking about freedom from sin. Verse 34, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the sun remains forever. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. So there's this true freedom that is found in Christ and in Christ alone, and he's talking about the freedom from sin. And that is something that I hope we realize that if the sun has set us free, we are free indeed. If you are a believer, you are not a slave to sin anymore. And that's something we really need to think through because we still do struggle with our flesh. There's still a fight against sin. But I'm concerned as a pastor, sometimes that leads believers to have kind of an overly defeatist attitude and mindset where they still view themselves as slaves of sin, where they say, oh, I just can't help myself, when that's not what the Bible teaches. When we taught through this passage in John chapter 8, one of the cross references I remember thinking of was Romans chapter 6, where he instructs people to Consider themselves dead to sin, but alive to God and alive to righteousness. It kind of starts with your head, even just your thought process. No, think, I am dead to sin, I am free from sin, and I am alive to God. I am alive to living a new way and a right way. So that's where I want to start this morning is by encouraging you, if you are a believer, you are free from sin. You are not a slave to sin anymore. And if you are listening to this and you're like, no, 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 trust me, I am a slave to sin, then I think the biblical reality is you are not saved, but the good news is you can be. You can be saved through Jesus Christ. And what does that look like? Abiding in his word. You need to listen to him, turn from your sin, trust in him, and that truth about what he has done will set you free. And if you are a believer, the key to us living out that freedom is abiding or remaining, living in his word. But we're going to find freedom in his voice. The call of our old master is is going to be coming for us. I mean, our old master sin is going to continue to talk to us like it's our master, but we need to realize it's not my master. Sin is not my master anymore. I'm going to listen to my new master, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to live in his words not in the words of my former slavery. And we get another sense of what this should look like as we turn now to 1 John. We go from the gospel that John wrote to one of the letters that he wrote. And today we're reading 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And it begins with this, see what kind of love the father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are, "'The reason why the world does not know us "'is that it did not know him. "'Beloved, we are God's children now, "'and what we will be has not yet appeared. "'But we know that when he appears, "'we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is, "'and everyone who thus hopes in him "'purifies himself as he is pure.'" And then it goes on to kind of say, hey, if those that are practicing sin, they must not know Christ but it's obvious the people that are practicing righteousness, they are of God. But I want us to notice a few things that hopefully can just be some practical applications for you today in those first three verses that we read. And I want to break it down even in a sense of past, present, and future. We look at the past and God's love. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. That brings to mind that that Um, old Sunday school song from when I was a kid, behold what manner of love the father has given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God. Uh, That's a precious reality that we should stop and consider. Wow, what kind of love is that? That God would give his son, uh, that Jesus would give his life, that while we were still sinners, Christ would die for us. I want you to think about that today, the past love of God. But then I also want you to anticipate God's future grace, Uh, And we're not there yet. When he appears, we shall be like him and we will see him as he is. Anticipate that day. There is a struggle against sin right now, but that struggle is temporary because someday we're going to see him and then we will be like him and we should be looking forward to that day. And then verse three, we get to the present. What are we doing right now? We pursue purity. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So today, I want you to stop and consider the love that God showed you through Jesus Christ in saving you. I want you to anticipate God's future grace and what he is going to do when Christ returns or when you die and when you see Christ. And then third, I want you to focus on present purity. And I want you to consider, okay, if I abide in his words I will be free. I will live out that freedom. Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. The truth of Christ's words are going to set me free. Free. What are the ways I need to listen to Christ's word and pursue purity today? What are some of the ways my old master is trying to call me back to serve him? And how do I need to realize those lies and consider the word of Christ and follow him? What are some of the specific areas that you need to pursue purity today? That's what I want you to think about. Now let's go to the Old Testament and look at Ezekiel chapter 8 through 10. Ezekiel chapters 8 through 10. And this all kind of presents a a scene. What you're going to see here today, remember Ezekiel is in exile already. He is in Babylon. And what happens is God takes him and transports him in a vision to Jerusalem. And he sees what is going on in the temple. And it's it's a crazy thing. I mean, chapter 8 starts to, he sees all the abominations. And it basically describes people in the temple worshiping false gods. I mean, it's so sad at the end when it basically describes 25 men in the courtyard of the temple and they have their backs to the temple because they are turned away from the temple facing east, worshiping the sun, not the S-O-N, the son of God, worshiping the the sun in the sky, S-U-N. And and it's this uh, just abominations that are going on in the temple and you can see why God is so upset. And so then there's a vision of judgment of kind of a angel going through and, and killing these idolaters in chapter nine. And then in chapter 10, we we kind of go back to some of the vision of chapter one, which the idea is almost like the base of the throne of God on these wheels being transported over the earth. And what happens is the glory of the Lord departs and leaves kind of this, this throne. It's like, all right, we're, we're ready to roll out of here because of all the abominations going on in this temple. The glory of God is out. Um, and that's what we see in chapter 10. So as you look at Ezekiel, it's a message of judgment that is coming. Eight, chapter eight really shows those abominations. Nine shows kind of God's fury towards those abominations. And chapter 10 shows the glory of God departing. And that's going to be a central part of the book of Ezekiel, because later we're going to see God talking about a restoration of that glory to come in the future. But today it's focused on the abominations and the glory of God departing from the temple. Finally, we get some encouragement from Psalm 124 today. Remember, this is again, a song of a sense, songs that they would sing as they would go up. And by up, we mean literally up, going uphill to Jerusalem. And today it really talks about where our help comes from, which has been a kind of a common theme. And there's this thought that if not the Lord had been on our side, and then it, you, you kind of almost feel like a gospel preacher since let Israel now say, if had not the Lord been on our side, right? He repeats it a couple times and then goes through what, what all was happening. If that hadn't been on our side, we would have lost. We would have been swept away, but God has helped us. And verse eight says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, it uses a lot of images here, but I'd encourage you to think about what are the things in your life that you could say, if it had not been the Lord who was on my side? Okay, everybody now say, if it had not been the Lord that was on my side. Start thinking through, what's that in your life? Maybe what's that for your church or your family or your group of friends? What are some ways that you would say, man, if the Lord hadn't been with us, we would have lost it? And let those past remembrances of ways that God has delivered you encourage you to trust him today so that you could confidently say, my help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And I know ultimately that true freedom comes from him and him alone. And I'm going to look to him and I'm going to abide or remain in the word of Christ and pursue him and pursue holiness and purity today.